Recovery Sort Of is a podcast where we discuss recovery topics from the perspective of people living in long-term recovery. This podcast does not intend to represent the views of any particular group, organization, or fellowship. The attitudes expressed are solely the opinion of its contributors. Be advised, there may be strong language or topics of an adult nature. Welcome to Recovery Sort Of. My name is Billy. I'm a person in long-term recovery. And I'm Jason. I'm a guy in long-term recovery. And this week we were going to just do a little, I guess you'd call it a recap on COVID, how it's affected us and our recovery, what we've seen in our recovery community with some of the changes to COVID and the impact it's having on each of us. Yeah, when Ashley mentioned that, and I was like, oh, we've got episodes on coronavirus. And I was like, it's from May. Like, <laughs> yeah. we haven't touched it in months. Not that I really want to, but I, I think it's relevant. You could go back and listen to the earlier episode we did back in May. That was when COVID had first come out. And, you know, there was the changes happening to meetings and people were first getting into virtual meetings. Now virtual meetings are just like a thing. Everybody yeah. knows what they are. And that's in some ways the only way certain meetings are even getting together anymore. That's back when I was like, yeah, it's so cool. I've been to Hawaii and yeah. Australia. <laughs> it was so fun. Italy. Now I'm like, meh. <laughs> right. You'll say all that enthusiasm burned out pretty quick, huh? It did. I think it did for a lot of people. I think it was novel and new yeah. and interesting. And it's like, mm, okay. <laughs> kind of like the quarantine. It was like, we get to stay home for two weeks. That's awesome. <laughs> and we're saving the world. Right. And now we're home nine months later yeah. three months in everybody's like what the fuck i'm done with this can <laughs> right. we just get back to normal <laughs> so did you have anything to recap from the last week or last couple episodes yeah so we got an email from austin and he was talking about how he listens to us i've actually gotten emails and correspondence from his wife before i was like i recognize the last name i was like where do i know that last name from and i was like oh i've talked to your wife he's a truck driver and he listens to a lot of podcasts because he's on the road all the time right brilliant and he said that he gets a lot out of us and he thanked us and he talked about the episode where i shared about my daughter and her attempted od and he lost a family member to suicide recently and he just really appreciated that i was willing to share and, and reached out with you know some condolences and some kind things to say and i just really appreciated that it was super kind of him so thank you austin i hope you're safe out there on the road especially when the road starts freezing up man careful i almost slipped on some goddamn ice this morning coming here Oof. i know walking or driving driving oh yeah it's only it's 24 degrees I mean, it was very cold fucking frozen and then we got a strange email from carlos who i don't even know who the hell carlos is but apparently our podcast is doing very well in singapore Oh, yay. So we're like up in the rankings in the mental health category. I didn't even know people in Singapore could understand us or hear us. Mm, that's amazing. It was weird. That's yeah. for sure. I was <laughs> yeah. like, that's random. This is, are they scamming me? Do they want something? Like, do they want my credit card number now so they can pay us? Or? So maybe we don't relate well to regular Americans, but Singapore people, like, yes. they get us. <laughs> they get us. They understand recovery, sort of. <laughs> so I don't know. That was it. Yeah, neat. Yeah. Maybe I'll need to try to go to Singapore. There you go. That's my next vacation once COVID ends. I'm I'll going be like to Singapore. a D-list celebrity. Right. We'll be on a billboard somewhere. Right. Yeah, there was just a lot of good feedback about the Ego episode. People said they were laughing right along with us and uh, I guess comparing in. So 
you haven't gotten a chance to check that out. Maybe because I'm an egomaniac or possibly it's very ego deflating, but I listen to every episode like a few days after. Usually I try to wait till midweek because I feel like by then I've kind of forgot most of our conversation and it's kind of escaped my mind. So I'll go back midweek and I'll re-listen to the episodes. And I got to say, when I re-listened to that one, I was laughing just as hard. (laughs) It was funny. It was funny. Yeah, so, I mean, you're talking midweek after it gets released, so that's like a week and a half after we record it. Oh, yeah. And yeah, an we record on Sunday, and then I edit on Wednesday, and by Wednesday, I forgot what the fuck we said. I'm listening to it like, hey, did we really say that? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Three days later. No yeah. idea what we talked about. Well, there's some really hard things about listening to myself. One, I want to write down shit that I wish I had said, oh, and then yeah. come back and say it to but then I'm like, well, it's two weeks out. No one's going to remember by then. So it just it's got to be what it was. And the other thing is all the mistakes I make in the way I say words or how terrible a word sounds <laughs> when I say it or or just the little nuances in language. You know, it's funny. Yeah, I had a couple of goofs and one of those moments in the episode I just was editing yesterday afternoon. And I literally thought about re-recording a sentence to shove in there that I thought would sound better. And I was like, oh, I don't feel like it. Yeah. I'll live. I think, there I go. See, I was saying I think. I say I think a lot. Um, <laughs> I've noticed people relate more to the personal stuff. If it was too overly polished or too rehearsed and all that, it, I, I don't think it would relate as well. I think, I hope that people are getting more out of the personal stories and personal reflections and the stuff like you shared with your Mm. family struggles or what we go through as individuals, like that is more relatable than just coming on and talking about a subject that we read a bunch of shit about. I hope you don't want me to cut out those I thinks because that's too much (laughs) work. too many. (laughs) So I actually, for Christmas, we were dropping off some fudge at an extended family member's house that we really like. They usually have a little gathering, but they're not this year because coronavirus. Yay, fuck you. Um, coronavirus. Fuck you, coronavirus. Not, you know, family. I like <laughs> you guys. But that, So we went and stopped by, and they happened to listen to us, and it was just a little awkward to think of all the things I've said on here, <laughs> whether it's personal family stuff or the excessive use of the F word at times. And I was like, oh, I mean, it's great. I really appreciate it. I think it's beautiful. And and they said, you know, they enjoy it. They like what they hear. I just, it was definitely a little strange to think, oh man, I say some oddball stuff on there and I have family members listening. <laughs> oh well. Yeah. I've had a similar situation. My wife and some friends of hers that were listening said they felt that now it was weird because I guess I've said certain things either about her or about our relationship or about us that uh. didn't sort of jive with their version of us, uh. <laughs> like, which was kind of weird. I didn't know how to take that. I'm like, huh. I didn't want to change what I'm doing. I said I feel comfortable with what I'm talking about. So uh, Are they not listening now? Because we might need to change what you're doing. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's only one person. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Never mind. All right. So, Coronavirus. And recovery and NA and ugh. <laughs> what a headache. Yeah. For myself, and I've noticed this even more recently, I haven't changed a ton about my personal life. What I've noticed, I still get up and go to the gym in the morning. I still go to work every day. My interactions at work are pretty normal. Don't wear masks at work for the most part. I don't know if I told the story on here of my mask wearing situation, but I 
will wear a mask now. It's me and like one other person wear a mask in work, but right. the other seven people that work inside, six people that work in the building don't. And no one else does either. The mechanics and the people that drive trucks and stuff, no one wears masks. And so I don't see the overall impacts that much. I see it reflected in outside things. I personally have still been going to in-person meetings. I go to two a week. My home group is only a few people now, but that's not entirely out of the norm. I mean, there's been times that that meeting's only been six or seven people anyway. That's what it was when I first started there as a home group member. That's one of the reasons I loved that meeting was because it would be six or seven people, uh, usually a core of the same people that were there every week. And it created an atmosphere where it felt like you could be more intimate, more vulnerable, wasn't so concerned with what I said. And it created a really comfortable place for me early in recovery. Um, So I like smaller meetings. Then there's another meeting I go to right now that's meeting in person. It's 10 or 12 people. They do wear masks inside. Everyone tries to sit socially distanced. My daily life isn't really impacted that much by coronavirus. For my recovery, I think it's actually pushed me to do some things a little differently in a good way. I haven't felt the impacts of it like other people have, but I think you were saying that you had, like it's impacted your meeting attendance or meeting feeling about meetings. (laughs) Yeah. So, okay, the rundown of life. Let's see. When I started, I was doing an internship. Yeah, and working. And then that all that stopped, like instantly when coronavirus hit, like the, the job didn't really have a thing to do. The internship went virtual, like it was all pushed out. And then for most of this time, I've done next to nothing and just been at home and been a, a fill-in substitute teacher for first grade a lot of times. And now I'm back to work and we're wearing masks. Not everybody does it all day. Like there's a lot of not wearing masks at my job. I try to wear it all day. I think there's like some people who wear it and have their nose out and everybody's got their own version of what works for them. I was wearing mine all day. I still wear it all day, but now I can tell it gets a little less caresome over time, right? It's just one of those things. It's like at first I'm wearing it every day, no matter what, and I'm only pulling it down outside to hit my vape. I'm going to eat my lunch in my car or in an empty room. That's the only way I'm going to eat. And now it's like, there's days where there isn't an empty room and it's cold as fuck outside. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to sit in this room with my coworker and eat. Like <laughs> it is what it is. Like that's not that much different. Like it's not stopping me from work. Like you said, I'm hitting the gym, but I wear my mask the entire time I'm there. And that blows ass, honestly, because it's hard to breathe <laughs> at times. But that's not that different. That's good to be back there. I feel like that's healthy for me to be doing that. But meetings in general. And that's where I think my life is so much different. Like, yeah, there's some effects on life in all aspects, just little here and there. Like you said, you don't mind eating out at restaurants. I'm not going to eat in a restaurant right now. So that's kind of disappointing. But NA, 12-step program in general, I just, I had this phone conversation like six months ago. And my buddy who was kind of like, he would hit his home group every week and hit some other fellowships at times and he just was explaining he doesn't really feel that why basically just why am i bothering anymore like i'm not hitting zoom meetings i haven't been to meetings in months 
I'm doing all these other things for my recovery and mental health on a regular basis. Why would I go back to meetings and, and put my time and stuff there? And I was kind of like questioning at the time, like, wow, that's a drastic response, right? And now I kind of feel that. I'm like, why? Why do I? I get it. I want to show up and give back. That's always been my purpose, right? Show up, help out somebody else. But I just feel like frequently I get very little out of the things I do that are involved with the 12-step program. And of course, there's a lot of factors in that. I'm not in the area that I spent a lot of my recovery in. So I'm in still a newish area to me, right? Trying to fit in and, and make connections. And I had a home group for like a year and then due to coronavirus, that had to change because they were meeting when it was illegal to meet. And I was like, I'm not going to do that yet. I'm not ready for that. And then I joined a new home group where I like the people, but I just don't know them that well yet. Right. And then you were mentioning earlier, like the before the meeting conversation, the after the meeting conversation, the going out to eat conversation, which was like my favorite thing about recovery, honestly, going out to eat some dinner after a meeting. None of that's happening. And so I'm like, I'm going to my home group on a virtual platform every week, once a week. And that's it. That's like my connection to that portion of my recovery. And I don't feel like I personally am suffering. Like I, I feel I feel like I've done a lot of great things during this pandemic for my recovery. But that portion of it, I'm often struggling like, Ugh, I got to do this. Why? Like, what am I? What's am I gaining? from this yeah i reflect back on the time that we did our traveling around the country and during that time i didn't go to a lot of meetings and it was easy to come up with all kinds of excuses reasons at the time i had 16 17 years clean you know i felt pretty stable in my life in all sorts of ways you know i wasn't at risk of using. I didn't feel like I wanted to use. It was farthest thing from my mind. We were traveling, having this great adventure. And initially when we set out to do that, my plan was to, you know, we would set up in a new area. I'd find a home group. I'd go to a couple of meetings. I'd make some connections. You know, it'd be great because that's the advice I had given to people that I sponsored over the years that had moved. Right. <laughs> you know, I always had the right answer for them, <laughs> even though I never fucking had that experience. It's amazing how those things happen. Right. Oh, you're moving? Let me tell you all about moving, even though <laughs> I've never done it, you know? And so when that happened, what I found was all the obstacles and challenges sort of turned me away from putting that effort into going to meetings. And the obstacles and challenges were... Going into a new meeting, introducing myself as new, but not a new guy, because I've had that happen, and that's weirdly embarrassing. I don't know why. Maybe that's ego. You know? Whereas, like, ego. I go into a meeting and, you know, oh, yeah, I'm new here. And then, you know, they want to treat you like you're a newcomer. Like, well, let me define new for you. You know, I have a bunch of years. I'm not that guy, which is, you know, just terrible. Again, the stories we tell ourselves in our head about what we think other people think, I don't, it's, yeah. it's crazy. And then, Meetings wouldn't be there. Like I'd go to find a meeting and it wouldn't be there because it wasn't on the schedule or it'd show up and there was something, the time had changed, just all kinds of weird obstacles. And so I was like, man, am I really going to put this effort in to go to find this fucking meeting and then it not be there? And then I'm going, you know, so I stopped kind of hitting a lot of meetings. 
the end result of that was I began to suffer. I started to revert back inwards to being like a self-centered person to where it's like, well, I don't really need the influence of other people in my life. I can Mm. just make my own decisions. I know what's best for me. I know what I need. I know what's good for me. I thought that shit all along while I was using, you know, and, and in, at least in NA literature, you know, it tells us like we are mismanagers. We're not capable of consistently making good decisions. And now I don't look at meetings as where I get my recovery. It's just, that's not it. I relate back to something my wife has always said. She tells a little thing about what her first sponsor told her about. Your recovery should be built on a four-legged table. The table. Yeah, the four-legged table. I like table. how it's always so, specified that it's four-legged too. Like yeah. Most tables are. Yeah. <laughs> there are three-legged tables. There are. It's just interesting. Yeah. The or this four-legged is actually table. a two-legged table that we're sitting at. Technically. So, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, four-legged table. You would have a God leg, a sponsorship leg, a fellowship leg, and then a step work leg. And I think a lot of people, including me at times, fall into this notion that the fellowship leg is the most important, Mm. that that's actually where the recovery is. And to be honest, at this point in my recovery, I believe that's actually the least where my recovery is you know it's it's not in the fellowship part meetings are great that's a place where i connect with like-minded people that kind of have shared goals and values but it's to me more almost like a therapeutic thing to go into meetings it's not where i get the information that i need a lot of times to fix my life you know that information i get from close intimate relationships from going out and talking with friends or people about the really intimate things that are going on in my life, meeting with my sponsor to go over problems and issues that are going on in my life. The meetings are just a part of my recovery, and my whole recovery can't be built or shouldn't. I can't say it can't be. There's plenty of people that all their recovery is, and that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. For me, that didn't work, building it on that fellowship leg. I mean, to go back what you started with, I I don't want to be a manager of my own life. Like, I, I got that down. I, I figure out that that doesn't work well for me. And it's not that I'm trying to leave to stop working a program. It's been more just the meetings haven't done much for me lately. Like, I still want to work steps. I still want to have a sponsor. I still want to connect to people that matter to me and that are in my network that help me figure things out. Like, right now, I hit the one meeting a week, but I also do this other that not and a group on a Tuesday night. And then every other Monday, I meet up with my buddy Jack and we have like an hour long video chat. And we do this every week, right on Sunday. So it's, there's not a lack of meeting up times for me. Like I'm doing that. It's just not NA meetings, basically. I don't have any desire to stop my recovery. I just, I've really felt very bland about the meetings in general. And like you said, like it's cool when it's a place to a hub to meet my people and have conversations and we can go grab a bite to eat. But I guess because of moving and then changing home groups and then pandemic, I'm kind of stuck in a position where right now my home group is online again because of the numbers went up. And I, I do kind of think that's the safest thing for us. I'm not against it. Right. I'm not like, oh, they're online. That's dumb. I'm like, yeah, it's probably the right thing to do, but it just doesn't leave a whole lot of ability to get to know them and getting to know people is a process that just takes time. Like I've only been a home group member for a few months there and I'm still 
navigating all that and figuring out these people. Like I, I like them. I like what they share. I'm cool with that, but I just don't have those real personal connections with them yet. And I, I think part of the struggle is they're such a tight knit group that's been together for so long with just them that it's right. like, I'm like the new guy trying to fit in with these people that already all have close personal connections or something. I, I don't know. It just feels a little weird, but yeah, I don't know. I guess meetings I used to get like, you know, you get that shout of hope, you hear a powerful message, you hear some stuff you can relate to, you hear some really cool sound and shit that blows your mind, you hear a new way to look at something, and it's always just been a reminder of what I need to do. Like, yeah, hey, life might be going well, but I, I'm still one of these people, right? And I still need to keep a focus, and I still need to work a step. It was like a good reminder place, and lately I just haven't felt any of that. Lately, it's just kind of like, uh, I got to go here for an hour. Yeah, I agree for myself. That is definitely one area. Meetings are a reminder of what healthy things I should be doing for myself. Mm -hmm. Even if I don't hear it from the individuals, we have the readings that we read, and there are some really good reminders in there you know, right. about what we're actually doing here and, and why we're here. Sometimes that's the most important message of recovery I can get out of a meeting is <laughs> the readings that we read. I have found for myself, I need those reminders. It's kind of like, you know, almost like the same role that prayer or meditation plays in my life sometimes. It's just a consistent reminder of what I can be doing if I want to live a healthy life. I say should be doing. There's a lot of things I should be doing that I know I should be doing and don't do. <laughs> So I'm going to say a lot of things that I can be doing if I want to see improvements in my life. Yeah, I don't think it's helped a lot that like my home group's on a Thursday and just happened to be this year. That's every holiday is affected <laughs> by a Thursday. So like Thanksgiving night, I just was not really feeling it. Christmas Eve, I was spending some time with my family and then I attended the group, but I was also driving around trying to do some other stuff with my daughter at the same time. So I really wasn't all in on it and it was hard to hear. And, and then we got a couple of like older guys in our group who don't do the virtual thing exactly, but they'll call in, but then they don't mute themselves and they get frustrated when other people do mute them, but their noise in the background is keeping everybody else in the meeting from hearing whoever's <laughs> sharing. It's like, right. Oh my God, what a mess. What yeah. a mess. And I have only been attending in-person meetings. I did very few Zoom meetings. When my home group was meeting every week, I, I did that one pretty much every week, I think, or, or unless there was something really big going on. But I tried to attend the virtual meeting. And for our home group, it didn't last very long. It was maybe a month or two. And once we felt like we could legally meet back up and follow the guidelines or whatever. If you even know what they are at this point, I don't even know. It keeps changing and it's so fucking confusing yeah. <laughs> how many people you're allowed to have and how you're supposed to be and if you got to wear masks or not. I mean, it's it's just confusing. So in any case, I'm back to in-person meetings because I didn't feel like I was getting what I needed from the Zoom meetings. Personally, I've noticed the biggest part of what I take away from meetings is the interpersonal connections, seeing people consistently talking, hanging out with guys, catching up, how are you doing, what's going on in your life, how's things going with the family, you know, those kind of things, watching new people come in, seeing them grow and go through life and experience new awesome things. Right. And that, for me, 
you know, I've never been the person that's good at telephone calls or doing that stuff. I'm way better at in-person communication. I really noticed with my wife and I had went to some meetings together and she had a lot of fear about coronavirus and being around all these people. Rona. And so it was, you know, we show up at the meeting and we kind of sit in the car until about a, two minutes before the meeting. <laughs> then we put our masks on and we go in and we really don't interact with a lot of people. Say hi, you know, and she doesn't like to really get into a lot of hugging and all that. And then she wants to leave right away after the meeting, you know, and not really interact with people. And for me, that experience is like, I'll just stay the fuck home if that's what it's about. What touches my heart or my spirit the most in a meeting is not just the recovery message. I mean, I don't maybe that's wrong to say, maybe whatever. It just it's the truth for me. Right. And if all the meeting is about reading the fucking literature and talking about N.A. stuff, there's nothing wrong with that. But that's not where I feel like I get the most for my spirit. This episode has been brought to you by Voices of Hope, Inc., a nonprofit grassroots recovery community organization located in Maryland. Voices of Hope is made up of people in recovery, family members, and allies. Together, Members strive to protect the dignity and respect of those that use drugs and those in recovery by advocating for treatment, support resources, and mentoring. Please visit us at www.voicesofhopececilmd.org and consider donating to our cause. Yeah, and I think right now we're in a confusing place because obviously not every last meeting because some people just kept meeting and didn't care. But most meetings immediately had to stop. Some went online, some disappeared, right? And so that was strange. But then you kind of at least had these big lists of where you could go to go to a meeting. They were online. And then over some months, people started slowly finding ways to open back up. During the summer, a lot of them were outside. People were doing outside stuff. I was cool with that. That was great when it was good weather or you had a roof, whatever. And now, like I was going down to my old area a little bit down near Baltimore. They're still going, right? But the state of it is so weird, right? There's so many meetings that have just closed and, and won't ever come back because of this. So you're going to have less meetings. Then there's like, I've been to two meetings that meet in the same church. One, you even if you're the speaker, you can't take your mask off. The other one, if you're the speaker, you can take your mask off. Same church, but apparently they're following the church's rules, both of them. So, <laughs> then like my old home group changed locations so that they could meet because the location they used to meet at, you can only have like 24 people and then you got to stand outside and tell people to go away. And then there's still groups meeting at that location on different nights that are only having 24 people. I just saw somebody celebrating there the other night. They're like, really? Well, you have 25 people. That's it. Like, nobody else can come. I'm like, how do you <laughs> how do you even do that, right? Like, yeah. do you turn people away from me? So it's just, it's so crazy right now. If you go and try to find a schedule and figure out what meetings are online, what meetings are in person, what meetings are still in existence, what meetings you have to wear a mask while you're talking, like... There's just so much chaos around it that I, I don't even know how people do it. Like, I, for me, hey, I'm hitting that one meeting, but I'm also doing these other, like, three meeting-ish things with people that I care about. 
every week. But what about the guy who's new to NA and doesn't have these other places to go and things to do? And he's just trying to hit six meetings a week, like the new guy. Like, how does he find six meetings a week in his local neighborhood that are still open, that can take enough people that he can get in that like that's just seems so hard right now. I don't I don't know how people are doing it. And the numbers ain't going to, this is what I don't get. The numbers aren't going down. They're worse now than they've been through the whole thing and yet we're probably more open now than we were in March. Right. And I'm like, well, that doesn't make any fucking sense at all. I don't know. <laughs> I get the whole the management of the coronavirus stuff from the beginning even up to now to to me and my logical assessment of things and everything i think i know about running a pandemic team right uh they have totally mismanaged the fuck out of this and none of it makes sense and again i'm living my life according to what i think are my most important values and what i'm worried about Mm. and i have been tested more than any other person i know for what i feel like is personal responsibility we've done some traveling out of state you know i want to try to follow the state rules when they say you're supposed to do these different things so you know i've been going to the gym i do go around other people during the week so i'm trying to make sure i'm not putting other people at risk to the best of my ability i'll try to wear a mask when i'm around other people like i, I don't this is super interesting I don't to see our different takes feel on that. like <laughs> shutting my life down is the way that that really helps anybody I don't feel like that's a good way to manage it. It's funny because you say you've taken more tests than anyone you know out of caution and safety for others. And my take on that is you've taken more tests than anybody you know because you're risky. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, that's yes. That, I mean, that's two sides of the same thing. Yes. I am living a very what I would call risky life. And I interact and work with people that I think are high risk. Mm. So I have a concern for that. I'm not worried about myself. I right. I mean, to be, if I was to be honest, I fucking almost want to treat it like chicken pox, whereas just tell me the next person I know that's <laughs> got it and I'll go fucking hang out at their house, maybe drink after them and we'll just get it and then I can just be done with all this bullshit. We'll do virtual for a couple of weeks I actually that. said that to my wife. So we had an issue at work where a guy... One of the truck drivers tested positive, so everyone was all freaked out. All of a sudden, nobody gives a shit about masks. Nobody cares anything about anything until somebody gets it, and then they're all fucking panicking and freaking out. Like, what the fuck? What are we going to do? Right. <laughs> and I'm like, I, you guys have been the ones that act like you don't give a shit. I mean, I know I don't give a shit, but I don't give a shit that he got it. Like, I, you right. know, I knew somebody was going to get it eventually. I mean, we work around... I think there's close to 40 people that work there all together between truck drivers, mechanics. They're all running in and out. A lot of them are people that are like anti-mask, anti, you know, shutting down. These aren't people that are all like sitting at home, doing nothing, washing their groceries. Like these aren't that kind of people. Yeah, I don't know about washing your groceries. So it's a little much. There was no doubt in my mind that someone was going to get it. I really thought it would probably be me. <laughs> Just to be honest. And so I was trying to prepare for that embarrassment of being like, yeah, I finally got it. (laughs) So so anyway, that's part of my decision making on wearing a mask at work, because what I know is wearing a mask protects other people. It's not necessarily for me. Why I get tested a lot, because if I did come up with it, I would want to stay away from all these people that are high risk and have grandkids or people that are high risk that they're around. All their reasons. I get it. 
But for me, myself, I'm not that worried about getting it. So what I'm noticing about me is that I call myself a guy who's taking it seriously and being respectful and, and protecting others and myself and my loved ones. And I really think the more you talked about that, I'm just willing to do things that require less work. If it requires more work, I'm not going to do that. Like, you mean I have to go get tested? That sounds like a pain in the ass. I'll just sit home. Like, can I just sit home and be respectful? That sounds great. I'll do that. That's less work. So I will say that, too. And that's part of the whole this is a shit show debacle from whoever's I don't know who to blame, whether we blame the president or the governor oh or the God. counties. I don't know. But it sucks from top to bottom. Just the process of trying to get tests. I've been tested a couple different ways. There's an online test you can order to your house. Of and, and part of this is I like to just experiment and try new <laughs> shit. So I've been messing with some of this stuff just to see, like, hey, what's this like? <laughs> so there's an online test you can order. It's through LabCorp. I think it's called Pixel by LabCorp. You can actually order a test. They send it to your house. You do it yourself, and then you mail it back, and they give you the results. didn't cost me nothing. It was paid for by insurance. I got tested through the health department. Our local health department does, I think it's weekly testing. It's just a drive-through thing. You get in your car, you know, you drive through the thing, you know, you answer some questions, you take the test there. That one, the wait, right before Thanksgiving, we ended up waiting in line like an hour and a half, which oh, was, yeah, yeah it was That's a long time. It was longer than I wanted to wait. I was a little annoyed by the end. I went another week and it was way shorter. It was less than an hour. Still, I mean, it was still like 45 minutes of sitting in your car, sort of snaking through the line. It I'll was quarantine slow. for two weeks before I'll wait for that <laughs> fucking test. But uh, <laughs> the process of getting tested was pretty easy. The hypocrisy, though, is, so I got to point this out. They tell you, we highly recommend that you make an appointment. Now, with the drive through one through the health department, when I get there, they don't have two separate lines, like for the line for people that have an appointment or a line for people that don't have an appointment. And if you don't have an appointment, they don't turn you away. You just sit in the same line. Yeah. So at this point, I'm like, why the fuck would you make an appointment? It doesn't get you in front of anyone else, yeah. and it doesn't speed anything up. That's There's no dumb. point to having an appointment. But they'll tell you you should make an appointment. So it seems so stupid. That's like making a doctor's appointment, where they just see you whenever they want to anyway. Right. <laughs> right. And anyone else could just show up and be there before you, and they get in before you. <laughs> like yeah. it, just, it doesn't. The point of making the appointment huh. is useless. So right. anyway, that's one of the hypocritical things that don't make any sense. But as far as the process goes, that was fairly easy. But then you have to wait three to five days for test results, which seems kind of stupid. You and know, you're supposed to I... quarantine during that I, too, right? I don't know. When I'm, I, would I think. mean, all the times that I've been tested, other than this time with the guy that I, I don't even know if I would consider it exposed to this guy. You know, he just he was, works at the same building that I work at. It's not like him and I were like intimately in a car together or anything like that. You guys didn't make out? No, That's and we dumb. weren't really like close on top of each other. We don't work together. He drives a truck. He just comes in the same building and uses the break room and the coffee machine. <laughs> but, you know, whatever. We don't exactly know how it spreads. Maybe he touched the coffee machine right before me and then right. I picked my nose and, you know, now Maybe I got he it. just had COVID and thought about you. <laughs> yeah, right. Maybe that's how you get it. He come and breathed it into the ductwork, you know, whatever. <laughs> I've been tested all these times just out of I just want to be safe. I don't think I'm supposed to quarantine for that. See, I thought you were. I thought if you were, were worried enough to get a test, the point was you don't go anywhere until you get negative results. That was my take on it. Yeah. Then I couldn't go anywhere and do anything. Yeah. 
Yeah, basically. Yeah, that's stupid. That's because government wants you in your house <laughs> and tell you what to do. But uh, all right. So the last thing about tests. So the last test I got was I went through the local uh, Med Express or whatever it's called express care urgent care i think it is here in elkton and that's one of the so they call it a rapid test 15 minutes get your result same day same you have to make an appointment before they'll see you the closest appointment you can get is usually two or three days out so if you're exposed or you think you might be exposed you know again you have to quarantine for days before you can even get a test 15 minute results three days from now right (laughs) how quick so it's so stupid and their whole process was totally ridiculous so you make your appointment they give you a time which is a totally irrelevant time so they give you a time they have a thing online it says fill out all this paperwork ahead of time you can pre-register and that'll speed up your process so i did all that filled out all all the paperwork so i get there at my appointment time i walk inside the lady says oh you're here for your appointment okay go sit out in your car and we'll call you when we're ready and i'm like oh okay you know so then i go back out i sit in my car for 25 minutes or so, they call me in. I say, okay, good. Now I can get in there and get this test done. I go in. She hands me the clipboard with all the paperwork on it, you know, and asks me questions about my insurance, all the shit that I already completely filled out online, which I told her when I got there. I said, well, I did all the pre-registration online. I put in all my insurance information and all that stuff. Oh, okay, great. (laughs) Which she should have said, that doesn't matter. That's pointless. This is like when they ask for your resume and then ask you to fill in the application with all the same information. (laughs) So then she hands me the paperwork. I fill it out, hand it back to her. And she goes, okay, go sit back in your car for another 25 minutes and we'll call you when it's time for your appointment. I was like, when I fucking walked in the door the first time, why didn't you hand me this clipboard of information and let me take it out to my car and fill it out? And then, you know, it just was fucking stupid. It was totally stupid. And so that whole, the process took almost two hours to get a rapid test with 15 minute results because then I take the test. So so then they take me into a room, you know, a visit room, like an actual, you would see if you had an actual injury or were there for some real reason. Ask me why I'm there. I tell them, yeah, someone at my work was exposed to COVID. I'm here for a test. I don't have any symptoms. I just, you know, want to be safe, make sure I wasn't exposed. Okay, great. So the nurse leaves. Then a doctor comes in, asks me all the same fucking questions. I got to go through. So why are you here? Were you exposed? Mm. Blah, 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 blah. So I go through all the same information with him again. Like, it just was stupid. And then I take the test, and they make me sit there and wait for, I don't know, it felt like longer than 15 minutes for them to come in and give me the results. And I was negative then, too. You know, all my tests have been negative. But I'm like, you could not have made this more fucking difficult if you right. tried like this could have not it was totally inconvenient it was totally a what felt like a fucking waste of a lot of time like no wonder people don't want to get tested it's annoying as shit no i i could get that i i don't have any intention of getting tested unless i'm in a hospital emergency room and they have to like I, right. my goal is to not if i get sick i'll stay home yeah but th- in all my understanding, like, that's how the fuck it spreads. Because I'm out living my life, and if I get it, and I'm asymptomatic, then I'm just running around, potentially spreading it all over the place. Whereas if I knew for a fact that I had it, it whether I was symptomatic or not, right. I would 100% quarantine for as, whatever number of days were That fucking keeps changing, right. too. It's seven, 10, 14, it's 7, 10? it's a negative test, it's 3 negative tests. 3 months? Like, who knows what. 
But if I tested positive and I knew I had it, or if immediate member of my family, my wife or my kids, I would 100% quarantine to try to avoid giving it to anyone. I don't want to get it and I don't want to give it to anyone else, but I am, I don't want to shut my life down. I can't. Yeah. No, I, I get what you're saying, but I, I mean, what are you, you'd have to get tested every day. If you were like worried about being asymptomatic and running around with it, you could, you would have to get tested every day. I'm like, I, I'm not going to. I mean, so, it, so there's never going to be a hundred percent guarantee on not spreading it at all. I mean, it's even like a mask. Like I can wear a mask around all day and still spread it. Right. It's just, it's all about reducing the the potential. So I, I feel like almost maybe everybody in a 12-step program has learned a new understanding from this. And I think it's almost different for every person, right? Some people who hit 12-step meetings regularly are learning what they actually got out of 12-step meetings before, that it wasn't so much the meeting. It was maybe just a connection to some people they liked that they went to dinner with afterward. I think other people are learning that 12-step programs are not the only way to recover. There's some other things out there that we can do on a regular basis that are good for our lives, that put us in a good situation. I guess I feel like everybody's learning a little something different. I just can't figure out exactly what the lesson is that I'm learning because right now I just don't feel much like it. I'm still locked in having a virtual home group and a small home group that's not big on organization, I guess, or group conscience or any of that. I don't have a position there. I don't know that they even need a position filled. It's very small. There's only eight or nine of us or something and everything gets taken care of. I do have an area position right now, so I guess I'm at least locked in to do that for a while. So I'm not going anywhere. I'm on the website committee. Like, I just don't know what I'm learning exactly about this, except that I think there's been times in my recovery where I've only hit my home group each week because I look, I have a busy life. I have kids. I've been in school for like seven and a half years where I had classes sometimes two nights a week. It's not like I ran around and hit tons of meetings, you know, two a week is, is a lot for me. I like to, but it's a lot. It's hard with all the other things I have going on, but I think I'm definitely... I've felt guilty at times for only hitting one meeting a week. Like, oh man, I only go to my home group once a week. That's awful. And I think one of the things I'm realizing is I do a shit ton else for my recovery and I don't have to feel guilty about hitting one meeting a week. If that's what I have the time for and that's what fits into my life and, you know, randomly I'll get asked to share or there's somebody I love's anniversary and I do hit another meeting, but I do a lot of other stuff for my recovery and I don't have to feel guilty about one meeting a week if that's my lifestyle like there's nothing wrong with that I would agree with that and I was thinking earlier when you mentioned newcomers and how they're navigating some of this I can only imagine they're like the rest of us like some of them are probably like yeah these fucking zoom meetings are great you know I can hit meetings seven days a week now I come home from work if I don't get home from work till late there's a late meeting in fucking Jabip that I can hit online Ten meetings a day yes <laughs> and then there's other people that I know like I sponsor a guy that's in a recovery house and he's still getting out to meetings pretty much every night you know right. he's hitting meetings in the neighboring county which is part of our area you know and he's he's getting out and he's finding meetings and he's making it work for him. Now, he's beyond that 90-day point, so he's not necessarily doing you know, a meeting a day. But he's definitely hitting several in-person. And he's all in-person meetings. He didn't care for the Zoom meetings. Right. So he's hitting in-person meetings and making it work for him. And again, I, 
can look at it for myself at the moment and say, this has actually pushed me to do some things outside of my comfort zone. I now, like I have a sponsor that I, he's worried about coronavirus stuff or, or somewhat concerned. He's not that worried. Y'all are eating. Yeah. And, uh, well, he doesn't like to go to a lot of like huge meetings or big meetings where there's a lot of people not wearing masks. He really, again, he's trying to figure out what his comfort level is and that's right. cool. But yeah, we'll meet and go out to eat, go out to dinner just to get together and talk and catch up rather than me trying to track him down at a meeting or trying to meet up with him and hit a meeting. And that's been interesting because it's a much better opportunity for like a one-on-one intimate conversation for that hour and a half time that we have together versus you got a 15, 20 minute car ride, then you're in a meeting, then you come out of the meeting, you got to restart a conversation or, or, you know, completely different conversation for 15, 20 minutes. Like it's, it's been good. That's not something that I've typically done. I've typically only had like sponsor relationships where we kind of got together to hit a meeting or maybe got together to go over a step. And that was kind of it. I think maybe some meeting makers learned that the steps of the program throughout this, like when meetings stop and you can't get there, like you want to, and it's not the same on zoom now what? Right. And I think like step work is what changes us fundamentally from the inside to at least have the awareness to see something's wrong and try to evaluate and try new options. Like there's people who might've been clean on meetings for 15 years or something before that. And Never had to worry about it as long as they were in a meeting. It was fine. I don't know. I just, I don't know what to make of it all, honestly. And that's kind of where I'm at with it. I don't want to leave the program. That's not my goal. I just, I'm definitely in a a life-changing place. Like I just finished school. We got a pandemic going on, which eventually, hopefully will fade away and it will be safer again at some point in the future, right? But even when that happens, like what is my new mode of recovery look like and not that it means leaving the 12-step program that got me here but it just doesn't seem as influential like I guess I was all in before and it was all everything and now it's kind of like you know it's cool I mean I I think it helps a lot of people and I still want to be a part of it in some way it was great when we used to have activities and special events and we could go play softball and like shit happened amongst it like I don't have a lot of connection to the NA population right now. And I think that's definitely part of it. Yeah, that's definitely a consequence of some of this. And like most processes that I'm going through in my recovery, at the time that I was having my experiences with moving and hitting different meetings in different areas or lack of my willingness to hit meetings in different areas when we were traveling, I don't know that I necessarily recognized a lot of things when I was in the midst of that, you know what I mean? Like it was after sort of coming out the other side of that experience and kind of sitting back and and reflecting on it and looking at, you know, well, why wasn't I going to meetings at that point? And what was keeping me away or what was my deterrent? Because in that process, my attitude was never like, oh, fuck NA, I don't want to go to meetings anymore. You know, it was like, no, I still consider myself a recovering addict. I still considered myself a member of NA, but I bet you there was probably weeks if not months i didn't hit a meeting right you know so i don't know what the fuck i thought my connection to na was (laughs) you know what i mean i was in a different state with my wife being the only other person that i talked to in recovery at all i was working and living life and not going to meetings for all intents and purposes i was not 
really a member of NA other than I fucking said I was. Well, that's all um, it takes. But if you'd asked me in the it, when I was in the middle of that, I'd have said, "Oh yeah, I'm a hundred percent still in on recovery. I'm still trying to live these principles. I'm still trying to work steps." You know, it wasn't like a conscious decision about what was going on. But, you know, now when I got out of that and reflected back, it's like, no, slowly those steps and those principles started to drift out of my life. Right. And slowly I was just reverting back to just relying on myself, being my own higher power and doing what the fuck I wanted to do. And, you know, I didn't see that when I was in that process. The other thing is I gained a different understanding of the role of meetings in my life. You know, now I know the purpose of meetings in my life. And for me right now, I almost feel like what you said earlier. If I was in the same situation now where hitting meetings became really difficult or inconvenient, I don't think I would suffer the same as I did back then because I do have all these other connections to recovery. This podcast has been great for my personal recovery, my personal spiritual journey. Um, I have a relationship with a sponsor that I've been maintaining that is outside of going to meetings or anything to do with meetings. I've been actively engaged with step work recently on my own and then with some guys that I sponsor. So I have all those, you know, the other legs of my table are doing pretty well so that if the meeting or social, you know, leg kicked out, I would still have three pretty solid legs and my table would still be pretty firm. Hmm. What was the other three legs again? God, step work, uh, and sponsor. Step work, sponsor. Huh. And I will say my personal interpretation or whatever of meetings is that that is a place where I go to get direction from my higher power. You know what I mean? That's where I go to get like good orderly direction. It's not the only place, but it is a source of higher power for me going there. I'll hear things that I can relate to. I'll hear people going through struggles or hear how they dealt with a situation and think, wow, that's beautiful. That's the kind of person that I want to be, you know, or I'll hear them go through things and think, man, I could easily fall into that same trap. Those are places where I can get a message from my higher power, but it's not the only place that I get that. Right. And I think maybe that's where I'm at. I'm just in a place where and and it's a little different at my new home group. I think before my newer home group, I was hearing a lot of early recovery messages. And it's not that I couldn't relate. Like, I do remember that experience. And I, I don't think I'm better than that or anything. But it wasn't things that seemed very relevant to what I go through on a daily basis today. And my new home group does provide more of that. Like, the guys are older guys, for the most part, or at least my age, and people that are have some time and they share relevant experiences to my daily life. And I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah. I I struggled with that Tuesday. I get it. Right. Like I, I totally get what they're saying. So that's nice. But yeah, I think that's where maybe this podcast in, in a roundabout way has been great for my life and my recovery, but it is changing my relationship to my 12 step program a little bit. And it's, I mean, it's not bad for my life, but I grieve things when I lose them, even if my life is moving in a direction that's better. Like, I still grieve when I lose parts of who I thought I was, right? Because we, ego, we tell the story of who we are. I'm an NA guy. I work the steps. I'm hardcore. I hit meetings. I'll share a great message, all that great stuff. But the reality for me now is, yeah, I I still appreciate what NA did for me. I still plan to attend or be a part of it in some way, shape, or form. 
but there are all these other things that I'm doing for my life and my recovery that are really great. And it makes NA not as important, not as, not as necessary, not as number one top priority. And, and I, there's a part of me that feels really bad saying that and allowing that to be right. Like I'm going into this therapy world where, I mean, not that giving therapy for people is going to be like a solution for me, but in giving therapy to people, I'm going to be reminded of a lot of my stuff, which is going to then put me in groups to talk to other therapists about those kind of things. And it's like, I have all these other type of groups, these supports that are around that I rely heavily on that seem to more directly interact with my life today, I guess. And so there's just part of me that laments and feels sad about allowing it to be that na is not the great all and everything anymore it's like yeah it's great and it was very helpful and it got me here and i still want to be involved but it's just not what i used to put it as yeah and i I feel sad about that even though my life is actually i think moving in a direction that's healthier i'm still like i don't want to let go of that story i told of who i used to be who thought na was everything Hmm. so i guess through the process of recovery, I've had that experience already before any of this COVID coronavirus shit. Like I, I know a few people that don't come to NA anymore that are still, you know, I don't know, clean. I don't know if they'd call themselves clean. They don't use, um, but they have good lives. There's a guy I work with that I initially met him in recovery. That's one of the reasons he got the job there and he doesn't really do meetings and shit anymore. And, but he's a good person. He's not, using his life hasn't fallen apart for he's doing well for himself he doesn't seem like he's turned into some asshole angry dry drunk person you know what i mean like he's he's a decent human being living without na you know (laughs) and yet he was a horrible drug addict at one point and and na helped him out of that through that whatever you want to call it and for some other my own personal reasons of like drifting away like i have become comfortable with the idea that I don't think I need NA to be abstinent in my life, you know, or to, to give me the life. I don't say give me the life that I want to live. That's probably not true. I do feel like it gives me the life that I want to live. I don't feel like I need NA in my life or I'm going to use or die or my life's going to fall apart. Right. And it is an old saying that we say a lot to new people. Like it's not for people that need it. It's for people that want it. Mm. And so, my journey has led me to a place now with a lot of time where it's like, oh, wait a minute, I want what recovery has to offer me. I want the benefits of working the steps of living spiritual principles, of helping other people in my life. And if I really want that stuff, I have to do the fucking work to get it. You know, just like back to the gym stuff. If I want the benefits of going to the gym, I just don't get to go hang out at the fucking gym and look at people doing exercises and go, yeah, I belong to a gym. This is great. You know, I'm a member. I show up here. You know, I got to do the fucking work. Right. And my experience of trying to be a member without doing the work, I didn't get the benefits and started to become pretty disenfranchised with the whole NA thing. Like, meh, NA, it's whatever. Yeah, because I wasn't doing any of the fucking work to get the shit that they wanted to give. Me. Right. So now I'm at, again, I think the same. I think I'm at a pretty healthy place where NA is a piece of what I do for spiritual growth and development in my life. It offers me an opportunity to help other people that are still suffering. It offers me an opportunity to interact and engage with a lot of like-minded people that 
in general share similar goals, values, beliefs. It allows me to connect with people that have had similar life experiences as far as using and some harms and some damage that we cause or some ways that I can feel on any daily basis. For me, the the people have changed. Almost all the people in my recovery have changed throughout this process. It's not like I connected with this group of six people and they're still the same six people in my life. You know, those people have all fucking, most of them have gone. I think my wife I've known for 20 years and my boss that I work with now I've known for 20 years. And there's a few other people that have been around since I've been around. But as far as my intimate connection of people, people have come and gone throughout this process. And what's remained consistent is the program, the steps, the message, Mm. you know, and that is kind of why I go now is because there's a spiritual aspect that I still haven't found. I get filled other places. Hmm. It'll be interesting to see what happens as things finally do. Like I kind of thought we already had that moment when COVID was going away and, and meetings were coming back and we're like, Oh, we're getting back to normal. And now it'll be interesting. Like, I guess that's next summer. I, I don't know. And I don't know for the, the busyness of your life, but would you consider even for experimental purposes, like hitting a couple of in-person meetings and seeing. So I, I did find too, for me, two meetings is best. I used to kind of almost take that as an insult. Like, I don't even need to go to fucking any meetings if I don't want to go to meetings, but I'm going to my one meeting a week because I made a commitment to go there. What I found for me personally is what ended up happening at my home group was I was only surrounded by limited people with a limited sort of viewpoint and a limited interpretation of recovery. And by expanding that out to two meetings, now I go to a meeting that has, I don't want to say a lot, but that's probably a mix of people with some time and a lot of new people and then my home group which is usually just people with some time that aren't quite as serious about steps in the program right and that mix is great for me like it really is good i feel like i get one thing from one meeting and one thing from the other meeting i definitely think something in my life has to go in order to have another evening free that's more the issue like i'm giving three evenings to group or virtual type meetups right now yeah and and i just don't i mean the other four are family what's well, such me. a weird time with home groups what about even just switching your home group night and saying eh. or do, do you still like the virtual meeting i mean it, i think the past couple of weeks it's just been inconvenient yeah. i don't think that i dislike it See, I don't like virtual meetings. So if a meeting right. goes virtual, I'm not going. But this just came up with my sponsor and, and me when we were met up the other day. So anything we do can just be temporary. You know, it doesn't need to be like, oh, I'm quitting this home group and leaving forever because that's how I interpret things. So we <laughs> set up a therapy appointment, you know, and the only night they have, I'm like, well, I could do any night of the week, you know, after five, but Thursday's not good. And they said, well, the only night we have is Thursday at 730. Mm. And I'm like, fuck, you know, like that's my home group time. So my immediate decision there is like, oh, I have to quit my home group, find a new home group. Where the fuck am I going to find another home group? I don't want to, you know, leave my home group. I like it there. I, I'm comfortable there. And my sponsor said, well, you don't necessarily have to leave. Just see how it goes. Just let them know, hey, I got this thing every other Thursday. I might have to miss a couple weeks and then let it sort of play itself out another night could open up in a couple weeks and the therapist has another appointment or maybe not but i don't need to make that decision right now 
Damn, so, good sponsor information. I know. That's and then I have to pass it on. So, right. <laughs> so and knowing I know a bunch of people in your home group, if you said, "Hey, look, I'm struggling with this virtual thing. I'm just going to hit some in-person meetings for the next couple of weeks and see how that goes." I mean, and who cares? You don't need to give them an explanation. You can do what you want. You remember when you say you are, God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> but like you said, and it is true, we build those relationships through consistent connection and consistent communication. That's how that stuff happens. Yeah. I, I don't I don't know. Maybe I'll try to get out on and one who night knows, every if other you week. don't feel safe, you don't have to. I was just I was just curious. Like for me, I'm a experimenter person. Like it's just like the covid tests like i wanted to do all the different tests on purpose just to be like well what's this experience like and what's that one like and then i can make these comparisons and figure out how much smarter i am that i think i could figure everything out in a better way <laughs> i i know we don't think masks do a whole lot for us but I, i'm down with feeling protected when i got a mask on so i don't really get like i'll sit in a room with a mask on i don't give a fuck that doesn't bother me at all i'm not nervous about that aspect I'm more nervous about committing to actually leaving my house. That sounds like work. Oh, <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I get that. Leave the house? Why? <laughs> no. I told Jen, I'll be honest, and I don't want you to take this the wrong way. I love doing this podcast, but Sunday mornings, I'm like, fuck, I got to go. <laughs> like, we should do this yeah. on a different time, like a time that I feel like getting up and going somewhere. Sunday there mornings, I never no feel time. like. I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the thing. Every day that I have to go do something, I feel that way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Monday after work? Fuck. Right. We should do it a different day. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, generally, anytime I have to do anything, I'm like, really? Right. Do I have to? Great. So, I don't know. I got nothing else. I'm glad to share even though I feel guilty still about my stance and feelings of towards NA right now. But what I can say is regardless of my feelings for right now, I am still committed to being a member yeah. and being a part of, awesome. even though I'm not really feeling it. I think that's healthy. Yeah. I mean, it's better we be honest and we learn that about ego. It's better that we just be honest about ourselves and how we feel and where we're at than to try to deny or fake it. The great thing about recovery is that we have freedom to make choices in our lives today. Mm. You know? So if nothing else, the pandemic, the quarantine, the coronavirus has all been a learning and growing experience, yeah. right? We're learning about our recovery. We're learning about our, ourselves. We're learning about all this stuff, what it takes to make us tick and go. And I think that's all we can do is just learn and grow and evolve. Like anything that stops evolving st starts dying, really. Yeah, but don't give up on the process. This is a temporary blip i think it's a temporary you know hiccup in the road bump in the road and a couple years from now we'll look back and things will be different i can't tell you exactly how they'll be different but they will be different in another couple years and you know recovery will transform and morph into something new or different hopefully in a good way for most of us i'm gonna build a chip that puts the steps right into your brain <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i got nothing yep i'm out cool all right, we will see you next week. Check out the website. Check out the episodes. Do your thing. Have fun. Share this podcast with people in your life who might enjoy it. Check out recoverysortof.com to find our episodes and link up with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're always looking for new and interesting ideas for topics, sort of. If you have any ideas for episodes or think you have something to come on and talk about, reach out to us. 